we're going to continue our ministry here this morning on uh, the parables. And, and again, you know, just to remind you that this may be really elementary to some of you, but what I'm finding out, I'm really surprised at people that are coming up to me saying, wow, that was just amazing. And I'm going, really? Uh, the Word of God, you know, it's pretty cool how you sow it and it comes back and, and it's not void. You know, and, and uh, so those of you that maybe are a little more mature in stature in the Word of God, bear with me this morning. Amen me anyway. Uh, but, but the truth of the matter is there's something here for us all to grasp today. And I know that God ministered in our first service and He's going to continue to minister this, this morning. Don't let it be said of you like it was in Ezekiel's day. Are they just saying, Lord, isn't He just saying parables? Remember, let's not minimize these things, but look at them and see what Jesus is really trying to say to us today. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to begin in verse 24, looking at the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds, and the NIV would say, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Father God, I just pray that you would anoint this word today. Lord, this message, this topic, this division between wheat and weeds is pretty touchy. Can be pretty touchy. Lord, I pray that nothing be said today would point somebody out or cause them to feel judged. But God, I do pray that you would help each one of us to discern our lives based upon our fruit. And that lives would be changed because of it, God. We pray for your power in this room. Power to do a regeneration in hearts and lives. Power to awaken our spirits and to stir us in your truth. God, do a work that no man can do today, but only the work of your Holy Spirit combined with this seed that we're going to sow. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 13, verse 36, explain who the characters of this parable are, but I want to go deeper than that here in just a little bit. But His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. So we have an overview here, obviously, that Jesus is the farmer. Jesus is the one sowing the seed. Church, He came to this earth and He sowed the gospel. His life, He came and He lived the life that He lived. When He went into the ground and, and came out again, resurrected, He produced a fruit and is producing fruit today. Listen, I'll tell you one thing. Before you can sow in a field, you've got to own the field. This world, this dirt that we walk on day after day, the enemy may have messed it up. He may have stunk it up pretty bad. But I'm here to encourage you today that you're serving the one that owns it. 
He sows. And when you own a field, you sow in the field. It's your field to sow it in. And Jesus came and He sowed the gospel. He's a form of first fruits that was risen from the grave. We see that the world is the field in this parable. And we know that God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only Son. We talked about this, this, uh, this last week about how God, through Jesus Christ, is a good farmer. He sows and gives every soil an opportunity for, for it to produce fruit. And that's one thing that we're seeing here, that His gospel is spread all over the world. This world is covered with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't say anything about leaving it here in the Middle East or leaving it over there or, or just in America or just in Vietnam or anywhere else. My friends, he's sowing the gospel everywhere. I met a man that uh, went to Vietnam as a missionary. He was at this prayer summit. Man, i got to have him at our church. Sharing stories about how he would get to an underground church to share the gospel. And how when they would meet in a motel room that he walked in the room and all the believers were there waiting on him. It took him hours and hours to get 40 people in there because they would come at separate times. And by the time they were there, all the mattresses were taken from rooms and put around the walls and the floor. They were ready to dampen the noise and going to have some church. And he said 40 people shoved in this little motel room. And he said, I just go in and thinking, Lord, why me? And he starts preaching the gospel and people are on the floor weeping. He said, I remember vividly a guy standing in the corner like this and tears rolling off of his face. He had nowhere to move and he was so moved leaning against the wall that there was somebody laying on the ground underneath him with a wet spot on their back where his tears had been falling for the hour before. Listen, the field that we're in, our father owns this field and he's sowing it all over the world. It's not just about us. That's why we do missions, folks. That's why we give to missions, because the world is owned by our Father. He sent His Son to rescue us. The wheat and the weeds represent two different types of people. Those that are the children of God and those that are the children of the devil. Amen. Now, there's some confusion in this because people would say, well, see, 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 Calvinism. Some of them couldn't help it. They're children of the devil. He made them. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're going to understand that here in a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, there are those that are in obedience to God and that are producing a fruit for Him. And there are those that are trying to look like one who's obedient to God and is producing their own fruit that we're going to explain here in a little bit. But it's two different types of people. Those that are in obedience to God, those that are not. And the enemy is the devil. He's our adversary. We talked a few weeks ago about the fact that we forget that we're at war. We pursue comfort here in America instead of understanding that there's spiritual warfare going on about us. A couple of weeks ago, the example of the enemy was the bird that would fly down into the hard path and pluck that seed up before it had a chance to seek in to that hard dirt. This morning, we're going to look at the fact that there's an enemy that's out to destroy what God is doing. So we're going to start tearing this apart now. First and foremost... I want us to know and understand that the kingdom of heaven is today and tomorrow. It's today and tomorrow. You say, why would you say that? Because he says the kingdom of heaven is like a man. Is like. When Jesus says, I'm going to teach you something about the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to use things that are seen so that you might understand things that are unseen, things that you understand today so that you can understand what's going to happen in the future. I'm going to explain it to you that way so that you can grasp it. The kingdom of heaven is. Everybody say is. It didn't say will be. It didn't say was. It didn't say someday should be. It says it is. The kingdom of heaven is. You say, why do you say it? It's important for us because a lot of people think about heaven as being, you know, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is someday in the future. 
It's after we get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. You know what? We need to rejoice not only then, but now. Because today we are part of the kingdom of heaven. So he shows us two different phases of the kingdom of heaven here. Obviously, we see phase number one, that it's on the earth. That he sows his kingdom here on the earth. And it produces a harvest. It produces some wheat. We know that when we're placed here on this earth, church, when you are a wheat, and a lot of the question today is, is are you a wheat or are you a tear? Not a terror. There was a time when I was a holy terror. <laughs> some of you going to get a big amen from some of my teachers. Uh, wow, you guys have grown up. Nobody said amen. Congratulations. There's a separation. On this earth, we know that there is a kingdom of God that is within us. The scripture says the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. The spirit of God reigns inside of me today. People would look at us and say the kingdom of heaven is here. I mean, what? Really, in this sinful world? Yes, it is. And Jesus made it very clear in this parable that that's how it was going to have to be for a while. My people, my wheat, are going to have to produce fruit in a world full of weeds. And he made that very clear in Scripture. He's saying, look, there's, there's a time here where he goes out and sows his seed, and it's good seed, but we have, we have people here that are fruit, the producing fruit, and then we also have those that are going to be producing uh, weeds as well. John the Baptist told the Pharisees, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We need to produce fruit in righteousness, church. That's what we're called to do here on this earth. And there's a separation from it. Amen? Jesus sowed good seed at creation. He sowed good seed with the promises He gave to Abraham. Jesus was the final seed that was sown. He says in John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to sow my body and I'm going to produce a harvest. And that seed is scattered everywhere. And today the result of it is us. And we are in a like image of Him that are producing and should be producing the same fruit. He is within us, developing us to become more like Christ from glory to glory to glory. He's doing that work in us today. Isn't it cool how He uses the, 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 the reference to wheat? When we start thinking about the Old Testament and the wheat harvest and, and the wave offerings before God and we start thinking about all the, uh, you know, Jesus being this, this grain of wheat that falls to the ground that brings a harvest, how Jesus is the bread of life and we know that bread is a product of the wheat that's been crushed and how it's been ground into flour and how it's even been offered in sacrifices with salt on it. Amen. You feel that? <laughs> We're wheat because we are producing the same fruit that He's produced in us. It should manifest itself, folks. Amen. And where is it going to manifest itself? Well, in the kingdom someday I'm going to be perfect. No, 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 no. The kingdom of God is here on this earth right now. It doesn't matter how many weeds are around you. You've got to be a part of the world kingdom before you can be a part of the harvest. Amen. Think about it. Chew on it for a second. We've got to be a part of His kingdom on earth before we can be a part of His kingdom in heaven. We have to be. It produces fruit in us. And obviously we see, uh, we see right here where there's also a second phase where there's a harvest. His kingdom is here on this earth, in us, and His kingdom will be tangible someday in the presence of God. 
His kingdom will be someday face to face. Now we see through a glass darkly, but one day we're going to see how? Face to face. Because there's a kingdom that's coming that we're going to see him face to face. 1 Corinthians 3, listen to this. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. What day? The day. Capital D, day. What day? The day of God. The day of Christ Jesus. The day that we stand before Him. All of our fruit, all of our works, everything that we've said we've done are going to stand before Him. It's going to be burnt up with fire. If it's good and eternal works, it's going to last. If it's stuff that was temporal and for my own glory, it's going to be gone and I'll receive no reward for it. The harvest will happen. The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man, man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Even more exciting is the fact that Jesus, after he left this earth, this field, went to prepare a place, a barn for the harvest. We talked about this a few weeks ago on Wednesday night Bible study. John 14, 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. This world, folks, the weeds we're dealing with right now, the things that are choking us, the things that are pressing into our life. April and I went to a movie last night. We went to see Courageous. And I highly recommend it if you can stand the previews. They redid Footloose, people, as if it wasn't bad enough the first time. Whole lot of nonsense. Anyway, yeah, and the zombies... Zombie Walking Dead. I was like, gee whiz. Never thought of that one before. The Walking Dead. Somebody needs to pray for some creativity. That's all I got to say. It was lame. But anyway, we went to see the movie. But the previews, we just sit there. It's one after another. We're going, just pressing its way into my life. Constantly putting stuff in front of my face that I'm not going to watch on my television, that I'm not going to pay and go watch, but it's right there in front of me and i got to sit there and endure it for 30 minutes. So I just started making fun of all of it. That's what I do. We live in this world where the world's pressing in, the weeds are pressing in, and stuff's pushing into our lives. But folks, listen, there's coming a day that He went to prepare a storehouse to bring you to. He went to prepare a place to bring in His harvest that you and I can be where He is. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 4 it says this, verse 15, According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, Encourage each other with these words. I'm going to encourage you this morning. There's a harvest coming. And regardless of what people think, Jesus is telling them, look, for a little bit, my kingdom's going to be here on earth. It's going to get frustrating. There's going to be weeds. There's going to be things that are going to try to choke out my harvest. But the fact of the matter is, it's my field. There will be a harvest in it. And I'm going to come and I'm going to take you to be with me someday. It will happen. And for people to say the rapture of the church is just a lie. It's not in the scripture. For somebody to say that... Uh, when you die, you're just gone and you're, there's no heaven, there's no hell, Pastor Bob. Listen, why would God go through all the trouble that He did if He didn't plan on harvesting it? Amen. 
Jason, you, you work in agriculture. You tell me, have you ever seen a farmer go out and work and sweat and toil and plant and, and fertilize and spray for insects and cultivate and, and, and even to have uh, you know, water, you know, huge irrigation systems to spray and spray and water? Have you ever seen a farmer go through that much trouble to not harvest? No! It doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus come and fall to the ground and be planted and to be rose from the grave and, and cast seed everywhere so that he would reproduce what God's doing in, in us through him? I got confused, but his spirit inside of us. Why would he do that if he didn't plan on reaping a harvest? Why are you and I here if he didn't decide to come and get us someday? There's going to be a harvest, church. That's what this parable is saying. First and foremost, my kingdom is going to be on this earth for a season. And at the end of the season, I'm going to take my wheat, those that are obedient, those that are producing fruit for me, and I'm going to go home. Second thing, he's, he's shown them here in the scripture. There will be a threat of the enemy. The enemy will try to destroy what I'm doing. He's given a warning to his disciples that there is going to be an enemy that's going to try to destroy, and he's already at work, and he's already uh, trying to move and change what it is that God's doing. Every Christian must be aware that there's an enemy that we have to combat that is fighting the will of God. This morning, as we talk about wheat and we talk about tares, I want to be cautious because we have to realize we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers of this dark world. That's what we're fighting against, church. We're not fighting against people. And, and I think for people in leadership, for pastors, for others, it's, it's easy to get their mind off the fact that they're fighting spiritual warfare. And instead of praying about a situation, they just go fight the person in the situation. When the person just needs Jesus. The person needs something done in their heart, in their life. And it's easy for us to point at people. Our battle today is not against the tares or the weeds. The fact of the matter is, is that the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to hurt and harm God's harvest. God sows good seed, but the enemy sows weeds or tares into this world. And you say, well, when did he sow? Verse 25, if you look at it, in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says, But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. We already see that the mentality of Satan... He doesn't ever want to give you some kind of a full-on frontal fight. You, all the stuff that Hollywood produces, The Walking Dead. Satan doesn't fight like that. He doesn't throw things up in your face that says, I'm coming to destroy you. He's subtle. He sneaks in when nobody's watching. The husband at home, when he thinks nobody's watching what he's doing and the enemy's sneaking in. The wife that's that's doing whatever she's doing out somewhere and, and, and thinks nobody's watching, the enemy's sneaking in. Listen, the enemy doesn't come in here with a full-on frontal attack that says, I'm here with a flashing sign. I'm the enemy. He does it when nobody's watching. How many of us, how many of us have seen churches that while the pastoral leadership or the board or leadership, uh, elder board, whoever, has not been watching, they've been asleep at the wheel, and the enemy snuck in and gotten some control of some things? How many of us have heard horror stories of churches being split, divided, and destroyed because the enemy has gotten his people in the right place at the right time because those who are supposed to be responsible leaders were asleep at the wheel? Amen. Jesus is saying, look, you've got to be sober and alert, First Thessalonians 5, 6, so then let us not be like others 
who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert your enemy. The, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking to see who he may devour. Listen, we know these scriptures, we talk about them, but church, we've got to stay alert. And he's telling his disciples, you've got to be alert. There's an enemy that's trying to destroy what I'm doing. And how is he going to try and destroy it? This is very important. He's going to sow bad seed and sow weed, weeds in with his wheat. That's always a hard topic to discuss. To decide the people that are sitting in your congregation, who's a wheat and who's a tear? Who's a wheat and who's a weed? Number one, it's not my job to decide. That's God's job. We can't evaluate the fruit. We know that when he's talking about a weed in this passage, he's referring to a specific type of rye grass called a bearded darnel. A bearded darnel is a type of grass that grows in the Middle East that as it's growing, looks almost exactly like wheat. But the only time that you can tell the two apart is when they produce fruit. And when this ryegrass grows and produces fruit, it doesn't produce something that's edible. It produces a poison, a poisonous seed that looks similar to wheat. Now we look at the scripture and we say, well, what, how do you know? Verse 26 says, when the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. In other words, while they were growing, you couldn't tell the difference. While they were growing, they had, they had religious rituals just like the wheat. While they were growing, they showed up for church just like the wheat. While they were growing, they were coming in and out of the doors and, and maybe singing praise songs just like the wheat. They looked just like someone that is wheat. They put their suit on and come to church. They put their nice dress on. They did their hair up. They looked nice. They come in the door and they look just like a wheat. But what fruit have they produced? It's something that's poisonous. This is where the separation takes place, church. Is when a person is playing the game versus a person that's really living it. And Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, hey, look, guys, there's going to be a time here in my kingdom where you're going to see both. You're going to see wheat and you're going to see tares. You're going to see people that are genuinely saved, people that are genuinely living for me, people that are obedient to the scriptures, and then you're going to have other people that don't want to commit, but they want to have the appearance just so everybody will leave them alone. They want to come in and take communion and never make a commitment to the covenant. They want to come in and sing the songs and they never want to praise God from their heart and truth. It's this constant attitude that says, I'm going to be in a church, but I'm not really going to know Christ. It happens. People say, do we have those in our church? Well, if Jesus says it's going to be going on, we probably do. It's not my job to point you out. Right now, the Spirit of God's doing it. I love you. I'm here for you. But you have to know that there's a harvest that's coming. And at that harvest, the wheat is separated from the tares. The wheat's taken to that storehouse that he's prepared for us. 
and the tares is thrown into the fire. Jesus loved his disciples enough to explain to them what the kingdom was going to look like at first. And I love you enough to stand here before you as your pastor saying this is the kingdom we live in and there's also a harvest coming. Amen. Jesus said this too when he was speaking to the Pharisees in Matthew 3, 9. He says, And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew seven fifteen, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the what? The fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. There's coming a day, folks, and we're going to talk more about it in just a minute. But the enemy's motive in all of this to have people that are producing bad fruit, to have people that are ingrained inside of the church, ingrained throughout this world that look like wheat but are not producing anything but poison, the motivation of the enemy is to do this, is to cause people to question the goodness of God. If God is so real, Pastor Bob, then why is the church such a mess? Why is there fighting? Why is there bickering? Why is there backstabbing? Why is there this and that? If God is so good, and look right here. Look right here in verse 27. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? In other words, you messed it up, God. God warned his disciples. He said, look, the enemy is going to be successful to the point to cause doubt and question. He already had at this point, had he not? Didn't he already figure it out with the first two human beings? Did God really say question his heart, question his judgment. And it goes on today. God says, look, there's going to be weeds around you. How many people have judged God based upon the weeds? How many people say, I don't want to be a part of church, Pastor Bob, because if God's so good, why did this happen? If God's so good, why did this happen? If God's so good, why did this happen? Why is my baby sick? Why is my wife sick? Why did this one die? Why did that? If God's so good, God says, whoa, 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 whoa. I sowed good seed. This is all the work of the enemy. How did God sow good seed, Pastor Bob? Well, you've read chapters 1 and 2 of, of Genesis. God made it all, and what did he say about all of it? It's good. It's all good. It looks good. Don't it just look good? It just look good. It's all good. There's a good-looking world right down there. It's good. It's all good. He made it all good. The animals, the trees, the plants, the water, the, the ground, the ground. He made dirt good. If you can have anything called good dirt, it was good dirt. And you and I come from good dirt. He looked at man and he said, man's good. It's all good. He's happy about it. So man's good. It's all good. But the enemy came in and did what? He sowed weeds of doubt. And along the lineage, many others decided to choose other paths than following the will of God. Others chose other things. And it was all because of the lies of the... Devil, enemy, whatever you want to call him. Satan. God is good, church. And he's telling me, say, look, I am good. I sow good seed. It's all good. The gospel that I'm sowing is good. Just because some churches are falling apart doesn't mean I'm not good. Doesn't mean the message isn't good. 
How many times have you seen a weed get into a church, get into an authority position and divide it and destroy it? A man that I talked to just this last week was talking with him and praying with him. He said, you know what, Pastor Bob? My worship leader left and took half my church with him. The worship leader is a weed. You know why he's a weed? Because he knew what was right, he knew what was good, and he said, look, he said, I'm only going to lead worships, worship from new courses, that old stuff, it's all rotten and no good. And this pastor with wisdom said, we're going to worship to all of it, and we're going to blend our worship. And he said, then I'm gone. And it didn't just leave by himself, he had a faction of people that he took with him. Weeds. You say, how can you say that man's a weed? Well, maybe he's just deeply deceived. I don't know. But I can tell you this, that the lies of the enemy is what's causing division in churches. It's not because God's not good. It's because people are listening to the enemy, not listening to God. If you would sit down like I did for hours and hours and hours of meditation this week. I just want to go back, Lord. I want to take all of you with me. That's what I want. I just want to take all of you with me and say, so fun, so good. If we could sit for hours of meditation upon the Word of God, the voice of the enemy wouldn't be so strong. The tares would not be so prevalent. The weeds would not be pressing us out. We would not allow so many weeds into our lives because the wisdom of God would be on our lips and on our ears. Wow, I need to hurry. The patience of God is also mentioned in this passage of Scripture. Verse 28, he said, an enemy did this. He replied, the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. We need to realize that there's going to be growth on this earth. There's going to be growth. The wheat is going to grow, and so are the tares. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, Evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Church, it's going to get worse. Oh, Pastor Bob, it's so awful. <laughs> Listen, cheer up, it's going to get worse. If you're wheat, you got nothing to worry about. That means it's getting close to harvest time. When, when the weeds are getting worse and worse and worse and more evident, the wheat becomes holy. Listen, during persecution, during trials, there's purification, there's separation that takes place. Your fruit as wheat begins to produce and people say, oh, they're a real Christian, I don't like them. And then you've got the wheat to say, but I'm kind of like them. It begins to expose itself. Do you know the two things that always flourish during a recession? Movies. Movie industry always flourishes during a recession. People say, why? Because people are looking for an escape. They can't take their lives anymore. They, they can't take it anymore. I just want to go be happy for an hour and a half to three hours. Some of them is way too long. And the other one, you know what the other one is? The other industry that grows and flourishes during tribulation and trials and troubles and recessions? The church. Listen, this is our time, man. Don't be going, oh, Pastor Bob, this stock market just dropped again. Yeah, it's going to. It's going to. It's, it's not going to always be good. It may bounce back. Sure, it'll bounce back. But listen, don't put your faith in that. Put our faith in the fact that the harvest time's coming. There's a separation that's taking place. 
People are identified in the midst of trials and they're identified as, wow, that's real wheat. Look at them standing through this, putting their faith on God versus those that are weeds. Weeds don't last very long and they produce nothing but poison for people. It's getting worse and worse. Men are going to wax worse and worse. The, cold, the love of most are going to grow cold. These things are going to happen with people. But the truth of the matter is, is that we know someday we're going to see God face to face. And we're going to be going through ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Holy Spirit. We know these things. Too many pastors and leaders want to rip out anybody that they think immediately is a hypocrite. Jerk them out of the church. And Jesus says, I want you to be patient. Because I, if you do, you'll pull weed up with them. Word of, of wisdom into my heart. Because people, pastors can destroy churches, folks. They can get really adamant and excited and, and, and brutal when it comes to discipline. They can get too hard. And they can start jerking people up and say, well, I'm going to get rid of brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so because they're just a hypocrite and this and that. And when they pull them up, they forget that their root system is connected with brother so-and-so's family and so-and-so's family and so-and-so's family. And now with this person uprooted, their compassion for them because they're hurt, they all leave the church and they rally around this person and now they're embittered toward Christ because of you. The Word of God says that our Father's patient, not willing that any should perish. He's patient. And we're called to be patient in this season of this kingdom here on this earth. And not to mention, before I move on to our last point, not to mention the fact that when you're dealing with a bearded Darnell that looks like wheat, how are you to know when you start plucking that thing up that you're not plucking good wheat? I said this in the first service. There was a time in my life when I was a weed. I was a tear. I was, I was one of those hypocrites. I was one of those people that just didn't want to talk about it. I thought, you know what? I'm sick of hearing about it and people preaching at me and telling me all this stuff. I'll just look the part. I'll, I'll use the lingo. I'll blend. I'll do whatever just because I don't want to hear it. You know what would have really been easy for Pastor Allen to come pluck me up and say, you know what, if you're not going to be serious, get out of my church. But the truth of the matter is, we are not to judge before the appointed time. Amen. Why? Because our God, <laughs> He's not just a farmer. He made the field. He made the seed. And He is able to miraculously take a bearded Darnell and make it wheat. I'm proof of that. How many of you are proof of that? That God can take a bearded Darnell and make it wheat? Raise your hands and praise to Him because you know what? You and I are no different than a, than a weed. And it's time for us to show love and the patience of our Father. Amen? Now that doesn't, doesn't disregard authority and, and uh, administration and discipline. That's all part of the Word of God. It just has to be done with wisdom. Amen? Because God loves us all and He's not willing that one should perish. Lastly this morning... Devin, if you want to just go ahead and come, we'll wrap this up quick. Lastly, there will be a purification of the kingdom of God. It's coming. When the church has reached the point of harvest, when it's ripe and ready for the taking, she will be harvested. She will be taken home to be with the Father. This is her great reward. This is, this is our reward, church. 
the same time, the hypocrite, the religious, they will also reap their loss of reward. They'll reap fire. And this is, this, this is really the crux of it this morning, folks. Are you a wheat or are you a tear? Are you wheat or are you weeds? I'm not gonna, I can't see into your heart. God is the one that judges men's hearts, not me. We are to, called to evaluate our fruit. Amen? We're called to evaluate our fruit. We see this message reinforced in Matthew 13, verse 47. If you want to look real quick, you can. So once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them in the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. I like to go fishing when I'm in Florida. And you get weird fish when you're fishing over a coral reef. I, I mean strange fish. I caught this fish a couple years ago. It had a head like a frog on it. it. had two little beady eyes pointing straight out of the front of it. it had this big wide mouth and its body was this long. And when you, when you catch an exotic fish from a coral reef, you're afraid to touch it at first. You're looking for spines, you kind of hit it with something. And, you know, and I, I'm getting it off getting it off the hook and, and when I grab it to get it off the hook it opens its mouth and it's got like rows of teeth <laughs> I get the hook out with my needle nose pliers obviously and I kind of go look at it and throw that to the <laughs> to the pelicans that had gathered it's like that's what that fish is for that's for you eat it another time I caught a fish that I pulled it up when I pulled it up it started barking at me <laughs> I'm not kidding you man I grab a hold of it and it's going, eh, 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 eh. And when I turned it over, it had these little leg things on the bottom doing this, and I went. And I threw it back. I couldn't keep that. I can't eat that. What is that? I don't even know what that is. So then I went fishing with Amber's dad last time I was down there, and um, we were fishing for trout, and and Jason and I, Jason remember this, we hooked onto something big. Pole goes, he goes, oh, you got a big one. You got a big one. We start pulling it in, we pull it in. It's a catfish, man. Catfish about this long, and we're going. And he said, ah, them's devil fish. And he grabs it and he takes it. He takes it off the hook and he starts beating it with the pliers. And he throws it back in the water. And me and Jason are going, Jason said, you don't want to catch any more of those. That was scary. I said, yeah, I don't. I know that's kind of goofy, but the truth of the matter is, is Jesus is saying right there, be a good fish, man. Because fishermen don't take the fish that are bad that they don't want to catch and just throw them back in to live and reproduce. As disgusted as Amber's dad was with that catfish, God looks at us and if we're not obedient to him, it's actually a reference, church, to a fish that's in the Middle East that's, that they would catch. It's a catfish type of fish that's a bottom feeder that's unclean. And he says, look, you are just like those unclean fish. You are not fit to be a part of my kingdom. You may look like a fish, 
You may resemble another fish that's clean, but if you're unclean, you can't be a part of it. That's why the scripture also goes on, goes on to say that we find a, a pearl of great price hidden in a field. We sell all we own and we go buy the field with joy. Church, I'm telling you, this is not a place to play games. This is not a place to pretend that I'm one thing and be something totally different and miss out on the prize. Jesus Christ is the pearl of great price that He's worthy of throwing everything else away, selling everything else and purchasing Him because He is your great treasure. He is your treasure. Don't look like wheat. Be wheat. And you will reap. You will be reaped into the kingdom of God and you will be a part of His kingdom. He is not to be looked at and despised and not seen as a great treasure. He is the pearl of great price. Jesus. Will you stand with me this morning?